Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. I'm fired up, man. I'm excited. I have this sense, you know, whatever. I probably shouldn't say this, but second service is definitely going to be better than the first service. So (laughs) come on, don't tell anybody I said it. Maybe I shouldn't put it on the recording, but... Hey, for those who don't know, my name is Pastor Mark. I'm the campus pastor here. And on June 12th of this month, uh, the cute little blonde in the front, Abigail and I, will hit a year as the DCM campus pastors. Come on. Come on. We've loved it. Man, we've loved it. God's done incredible things. Uh, man, there's been parts of it that have been challenging, parts that have been exciting, but what a ride it's been. And not only have we been the campus pastors of DCM for a year, but this is our first year of being pastors of what I like to call the grown folk at all because we were fresh out of youth ministry. So a year with the grown folk, come on. Come, and for all of the years for us to do this, 2020. Thank you, Jesus. You know, you know, I say that jokingly, but, but honestly, in all seriousness, one of my prayers is I, even before I really got into ministry, is God, I want to be used by you. This is my name, Abigail's heart. We want to be used by you in mighty ways. So guess what, church? I'm grateful to be your pastor in this season. I'm, I'm grateful that it's me. I've missed this. I've missed y'all. And I've, I've literally, as I pr- tried to prepare the opening of this message, how do you start this thing? Ser- seriously, like sit there and think. How would you open the message? I, I literally, I, I prayed, I thought, literally wrote out a whole intro, re, rewrote the intro. Anyone who communicates for a living or does presentations as part of your career or is in a position where you have to do that often, regardless of what it is, you know that oftentimes the intro, the hook, how do we, how do we kick this thing off is oftentimes the most difficult part, especially with putting together a sermon, because I know in the middle I'm going to use the Bible, so that, that, that part's taken care of, okay? And then the end, I just got to kind of remind everybody of everything that we just talked about, but how do I start this thing off? I'm thinking about, thinking about, come on. Yeah, thanks. What do I address? What do I address? The, the sickness, the loss, the division in our country, the people that we've lost, the, the, everything going on. What do, what do I talk about? What do I, the excitement of being back at church and gathering together and just act like everything's fine and and, and as I rewrote and prayed and then, and then thought and then prayed some more and I felt the Holy Spirit put in my heart, why, why don't you just share with them your moment? And after much thought and much prayer, I figured I'd share one of my most impactful and powerful moments I've ever experienced in my uh, whole journey of following Jesus. Is that okay? All right, let's pray. Jesus, we love you. God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would inhabit not only our hearts, but that the presence of your Holy Spirit The glory of who you are would fill this room, soften our hearts and our minds, open up our ears to receive the truth of your word. Father, I pray that as the seed of your word goes forth, it land on the fertile soil found in our hearts. It grow roots and produce fruit in our lives. God, I don't want to just preach to a room of people who just like to hear. I want to preach to a room of people who want to hear and apply and do the word of God and be transformed into the image of Jesus. So, Father, through the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to hear and heed this word, God, to become all you've desired and created us to be. In Jesus' name, we all said Amen. So here's the deal, y'all. I played drums in church, literally. So I, I went through grade school, graduated high school in the great large state of Rhode Island. Longest name, smallest state. 
legendary stuff. I started playing the drums in seventh grade, played till I graduated, moved, moved out to Missouri after that, took like a year off, but then started playing drums in, in the church I was going to out here at the time. So literally from the time I was in seventh grade until I started youth pastoring, I played the drums in church, okay? And had some cool experiences, loved it, was grateful for it. Not as good as Aaron Martin, but close, okay? <laughs> and I remember when I was about 15 or 16, this is at the church in Rhode Island. You know, I'm probably in high school at this time. There was this soft, quiet, um, older gentleman who would always sit in the back, and I never really heard him talk. Um, you know, he had just this gentle demeanor, and he was nice, but just kind of to himself, just quiet, friendly, but. And I remember one Sunday, we're kind of, we're coming out of worship, and I'm just kind of dabbling on the cymbals, closing us out. This, this, but it's a, it's a worshipful moment, you know, transitioning to go into the message. And I remember this soft, gentle old man sitting in the back who I never really heard talk, all of a sudden bellows out in a voice that sounds like thunder, um, what sounded like to me a foreign language. It was powerful, but I'm sitting there a little confused behind this kit thinking, I never heard this guy talk and I didn't know this guy knows other languages. I remember sitting behind the kit thinking, you know, it, for me it was like, what is happening? My pastor took some time to explain and what I didn't realize in that moment, but what I realize now is this man was speaking in a language that was given directly from the Holy Spirit. This is also known as the, the taboo spiritual gift of speaking in tongues. Um, he spoke out in service. Our pastor explained there was an interpretation. And, but again, as, as my pastor explained, I still was kind of wrapping my mind around it. I remember after church, we jump in the car, and I'm like, Mom, Dad, what was that? What was that? For real. And, and as we sat in the car, they kind of talked me through. They calmed me down. And they, and they explained that there, there are believers who will utter mysteries in the Spirit. And they taught me a little bit about the gift of speaking in tongues. And, you know, this is something I know we haven't really talked a whole lot about as a church. And, uh, you know, in the meantime, I want to do a series this summer actually on the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and, and do some teachings on this stuff. But until then, it's, you can look in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. But for time's sake, I'm not going to break down what all that it's for and all its various forms. And, but I, I had this conversation with my parents. So when we got home, and I, I jumped out of whatever the car we were in. And from this moment on, I committed myself to studying the scriptures. Like, what, what are spiritual gifts? I started reading everything I could about spiritual gifts. I started praying for the spiritual gifts, desire, eagerly desiring that I would get to experience the gifts. Like if the Holy Spirit came upon people and moved through people like this, like he did through that man, if he's willing and able to do that, I want him to do it to me. I want to experience God in that way. Like in the same way the Spirit moved through him, I want him to move through me like that too. And I literally prayed and I asked God to experience the gift of speaking in tongues for a year. And nothing ever happened. But, but, but I kept telling my parents, you could tell them for a year, like nonstop, anytime spiritual conversation, man, I, man, I want that to happen to me. I want to experience God like that. I'm, man, I'm curious, man, that gift, I want that spiritual gift. Like, yeah, speaking in tongues, wow, that was powerful. I want that to happen to me. You know, constant, 24-7, we're having these conversations, probably driving them nuts at this point. 
And after months and months of praying and seeking and telling my parents I wanted to experience speaking in tongues, I want this to happen to me, I'll never forget this night. I come down the stairs in my house. I come into the kitchen. I think my mom's preparing dinner. And somehow this you know, spiritual conversation comes up. And I say, man, I, w- I want this gift to happen to me. And she goes, all right, shut up. My mom's from Rhode Island, has a thick East Coast accent. She, she's right here in the front. So, so she goes, all right, shut up and get in the living room. And I'm confused because I've never gotten in trouble and got sent to the living room. It was always to my room. So I'm like, she sent me to, and then she yells out to the rest of the house. She goes, everybody get in the living room. We got this small house. So we have a family meeting in the living room, okay? She goes, get in the chair, sit in the chair. I'm like, all right, so I sit in the chair. My, 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 so my two oldest sisters are at college, but my younger sister's home, my dad's home. Uh, pray for him. Come on, we're in this moment. And she sits me down in the chair, and she starts praying over me. She goes, okay, Mac wants to give the tongues. He wants to speak in tongues. We're going to pray for him, okay? So, all right. So I'm sitting in the chair. She goes, all right, I want you to pray out loud. I want you to pray for the gift. She goes, and I want you to confess your sins out loud. And I'm like, I'm not confessing my sins out loud. I know exactly. I know exactly what this is. God, I'm sorry for that time I lied as a kid. And I like open my eyes like I'm trying to pray, but I'm a little shaken up. You know, I'm like, I look at my dad and my little sister and they're like looking at me. I'm like, what are you looking at me for? You know, like close your eyes. And I remember I said, Mom, I'm just, I'm just going to pray in my head. I'm just going to pray in my head. And she goes, all right, I guess I'll let you do that, you know. So I close my eyes. And one more time, I opened my eyes and I looked at my dad and my little sister. And their eyes were closed and I could tell they were pressing in. And it was like a switch flip, you know. It was like, okay, I, I want this, let's. God, if this is a gift you give, here I am, eagerly desiring, seeking it. So I closed my eyes, and I remember, even though it was silent, the prayers in my head were violent. I remember screaming the prayers in my head. God, if this is a gift that you give to your people, I want to encounter, I pray your Holy Spirit would move through me. That's how I'm praying in my head. Now I'm silent and sitting there, but that's, but that's what my, my silent prayers are like. And I remember as I'm, as I'm sitting in this chair, all of a sudden, my left, knee just starts rocking and I'm like what is happening but God keep moving and and then my right leg starts wobbling literally this almost like the shakes rise up through my body I launch forward and, and, and almost shout in a language that I've never spoken in before and and as I as I'm as I'm kind of coming out of it yeah it's, come on praise God as I, as I'm as I'm coming out of it and as it's sort of winding down, I remember my words change into English, and I finish the prayer. I'll never forget it with, I'm here, I'm with you. I'm here, I'm with you, and I'm coming. I'm weeping. I'm crying, literally thinking, what was that? What just happened? And I wrote it. I had a little blue, like, teen, guy teen Bible that talked about, you know, guy stuff. And I remember I still have it wrote in the back. Wrote down the day, January 31st. And I think even now in, in seasons of life where I, where I wrestle with doubt, where I wrestle with believing if God's really there, if he really cares, if he's good, if, if he's near me, 
I can look back to this moment I had in my living room as a teenage boy where the Spirit of God met with me on my couch. And I can look back at this moment in time and no one or, or no one or any person can tell me God didn't meet with me in that moment. I encountered God in a way I never had before. And even in seasons of doubt, I can look back and say, I can't deny that. Now, I want to have an honest conversation in this room. Because one of the beautiful things about Destiny Church is we're a non-denominational church. We, we attract believers and non-believers coming from an assortment of backgrounds. And honestly, I love that about our church. I love that you were raised a little different than me. I love that even though some of our theological thoughts and beliefs might vary a little bit, we still gather every Sunday in unity because I think that's what God wants for his people. We're in this house, we're united regardless of our background, regardless of the church we were raised in, regardless of what we were taught or what we think. We all agree on Jesus. And I love that about our church. But again, I also understand that this house can be a melting pot of theological thoughts. So I want to do this activity, and even people in the sound booth, I, I want you to close your eyes too. I want you guys to honor this. Actually, close your eyes, because I, I want to do a little survey here. So everyone in the room, close your eyes. And if the statement I read, I have seven different statements. If the statement I read for you proves true in your life, then I want you to raise your hand, okay? Everybody good? All right, eyes closed. Here we go. Raise your hand if this is true for you. Speaking in tongues has been a normal thing in churches I've attended in the past. Okay, hands down. Two, I often pray in tongues. Okay. Three, I have little experience related to and knowledge of speaking in tongues, but I'm curious to understand better. Okay. Four, I believe the only kind of speaking in tongues um, that, that is real or that is um, biblical is when um, someone speaks a real language that already existed without any education on how to speak that specific language. So like I speak Spanish in this moment, but I was never taught Spanish. I divinely know how to speak Spanish now. And that's what I believe speaking in tongues is, and that only. If that's you, raise your hand. Okay. Five, hands down. Five, I've been taught in my past churches that speaking in tongues is not a spiritual gift for today. We can be honest in the room. It's totally okay. I know I just told a story about speaking in tongues, but well, come on. I love you. You love me. Let's just have an honest conversation. That's why your eyes are closed. Six, I've been taught that speaking in tongues is more demonic than anything. All right. Hands down. Seven, I have no idea what speaking in tongues is. All right. Hands down. So, Here's the deal, church, as I've read through the scriptures, my only conclusion is that speaking in tongues is a spiritual gift that was meant for the edification of my spirit and my soul, but also for the building up of the church in its various forms. And I also understand there are people in this room, there are people sitting here who haven't experienced the gift of speaking in tongues the way I've experienced it. Some of you are open to it. Some of you might believe it's for today. It might exist. Maybe you've had little experience with it, and maybe there's some in this room this morning who you've never experienced it, you've never seen it, you've never heard it, you've heard about it maybe, um, but based off your experience or lack of experience, based off what you've heard, you've chosen to believe the gift of speaking in tongues is no longer a spiritual gift for today, and it doesn't exist today. 
Now, maybe you're sitting and you're thinking, and, and again, I understand this church. We have a variety of, of backgrounds and stuff. Maybe you're sitting in this room thinking, seriously, preacher, with everything going on in the world, this is what you decided to talk about. This is what you're going to teach on. Now, there's a point, though. There's, there's a point why I'm going this direction. Um, honestly, whether you believe speaking in tongues is a spiritual gift for today or not, I, I don't necessarily believe that's a matter of salvation. But I absolutely believe, based off what I see in the scriptures, we should all eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Okay, I see that. But again, I understand many of us are still developing our own theological perspectives on many different biblical topics, and I want to say that's okay. That's okay. But I, as your pastor, stand confident, and I will stand firm based off what I see in the scriptures and accept as truth, and based off what I've experienced, that this whole thing is real, that it's real. And I know because it happened to me. So maybe you're sitting here like, Pastor, all right, all right, we get it. What's your point, man? Where are you going? My point is this. Oftentimes, we're only willing to accept that something is real only after we physically or literally experience it ourselves. And I think there's many things we refuse to believe due to our lack of exposure to it. And, and, and here's where the curveball comes in. I'm afraid that church, I'm, I'm afraid many of us, um, because we haven't experienced it, seen it or heard it we're unwilling to acknowledge the thought that racism is real and part of me honestly part of me hopes that it's so blatantly wrong and it's so blatantly evil that's the part we struggle with like how could this really exist like how could it really be a problem in this nation and man I've it's been a rough week, man. I've prayed. I've welled up a few times this week, more than a few times. I've, I've prayed more, carefully constructed this message, knowing that I may not get everything right, knowing that some people might get offended, others might not feel represented well enough, knowing some may feel I didn't say enough or I didn't say it right. But, but I want you to know this message for me isn't political. This message is about a white pastor being prompted by the Holy Spirit to speak to a predominantly white congregation about not being overcome by evil, but overcoming evil with good. That's what this morning's about. This week, I've talked with my black friends. I've talked with my white friends. I've talked with friends who are police officers because I wanted to gain insight. I, I wanted to better understand. I wanted to challenge their thoughts, but have my thoughts challenged, my convictions challenged. I wanted to grow. And, and, but ultimately, above all, I wanted the people in my life to know, the people I do have contact with, to know they're loved, they're seen, and they're valued. I've, I've scrolled through Facebook this week and I've seen hundreds of posts that use statistics and facts to support certain behaviors or events or movements. I've even seen posts from my white friends with uh, statistics based around black-on-black -black crime that say, black lives only matter when they're killed by a white one. And I look at it and think, yeah, that's how Jesus would respond. That's how Jesus would respond. I believe many of us, though, I, I think, and, and me included, 
Like some of this is coming out of where I've been wrestling with, where I've been this week. I think some of us actually get on social media and we felt pressured. We felt pressed. You need to choose a side. Who are you with? Who are you against? What do you represent? Who's right? Who's wrong? Well, here's my statistics. Here's my list of why. Here's why I feel this way. Here, here's why I'm going to post this. Right? And we, we have to choose a side. What side are you on? And I think we've forgotten that the war isn't between flesh and blood. It's not between me and you. It's not between them and them. It's not us versus them. The truth is we're in a war against evil. That's the war that we're in. Racism is evil and it's demonic and it's blatantly against the heart of the Father. And I'm, I'm praying we're spiritually mature, mature enough in this room today to understand that this isn't about blacks against whites or them versus us or, or them versus them. In a Facebook post, defending your side or perspective isn't going to win the war that we're really in, y'all. It's not going to win it. I've seen white people fighting with white people. I've seen white people fighting with black people, black people fighting with white people, black people fighting with black people. And honestly, I wonder, have we just, just formed opinions based off what we've seen and what we've heard? Have we just been fast to speak and fast to become angry over one side or the other? And I'm curious to know, the people putting up these posts, have you reached out to your black friends? Have you reached out to your black coworkers? Have you reached out to your black family members and asked the hard questions, seek to understand? Or is it just, oh, I'm going to form my opinion. This is, this is how it makes me feel. I'm outraged about this. We overcome evil by doing good, right? Have we thought to have conversations with, with, with our black community and say, hey, have you ever felt this way? How have you been affected? Hey, I want to better understand this. Here's where I struggle. I want you to know I love you, I honor you, and I value who you are. I had a conversation with one of my black friends from Springfield this week. I shared my heart with him. He shared his heart with me. We had an awkward, transparent conversation. It was powerful. And I, and I don't have time to tell you the whole conversation, but I, but I want to give you bits and pieces. But I asked him questions like, hey, do you feel treated differently because of your skin color? Just be honest with me, man. I said, do you have preconceived ideas about white people? And I wanted to have this conversation because I wanted to know. I don't want to be ignorant. I want to be able to identify evil and so I can overcome it with good, right? So I, I want to share with you his responses, and I want you to know these aren't my responses. I don't have a political agenda my agenda this morning is overcome evil with doing good. That's my agenda. But in this transparent conversation, and I don't want us to sit here and sort through the conversation. This is why he feels this way. This is why he said that. I want us to just listen, church. Just to listen to the other side. Again, this first one has to do with police officers. I have plenty of friends who are police officers. I love you guys. I'm grateful for you. I have nothing against you. I think most of you do your job well. Okay? This was his experience. When he was 17, the first time he ever got pulled over, he was going seven over the speed limit. And the policeman, before he got out of the car, he pulled him over. He called for backup. And for going seven over the speed limit, they approached his car at gunpoint. He went on. He, he told me about 
how he feels when he, when he visits a church like mine, when he walks into a church that's predominantly white, and some of the thoughts he wrestles with, and the way he feels, how he feels like an outcast, how he feels judged, how he feels seen. Y'all don't know what that feels like. Y'all don't know what that feels like. He told me about conversations he had with his parents growing up, about how he's supposed to behave when he gets pulled over. How he's supposed to act. I don't know that you guys had that conversation. His dad looked at him based off his own experiences. He says, son, when you get into the world to work, you need to work twice as hard as everybody else because the promotion will always go to the white guy over you. Perspective, man. His father begged him not to go into the, mil into the military based off the, the racist experiences that he had himself. Again, I honor our military. I'm grateful for him. This is his, this is him being open, and he needs to be allowed to be open and transparent. And this wasn't all of the conversation, but as I'm, as I'm talking with him, I can literally see his eyes filling up. Like I can see the hurt in his eyes to be and for me to be exposed to my own ignorance. It was heartbreaking, but it was powerful all at the same time. And as a white pastor of a predominantly white church, here's my concern. Because we don't see racism, we struggle to believe that it's really happening. But we can look back on all of history. We can look back into Jesus' day and we can see that prejudice actions, racist actions have always existed in humanity because they're evil and demonic and the devil has no new tricks. But for us to think that this doesn't exist because it's blatantly evil, we're wrong. We're wrong. I wanted to share this story. Now, it's a little lengthy, but it's, but it's powerful. It's found in Acts 10. And um, I believe the Holy Spirit led me to this story for a couple of reasons, but, but I want to walk us through. I'll lay out a little bit of the background. It's about this man named Cornelius. Acts chapter 10, if you guys got your Bibles, you can open it up. I'll be reading out of the NLT. Um, I uploaded the scriptures in a different translation. So um, you know what, Steph? We can go ahead and still put the scriptures up when I go through them. They, just wording might be a little bit different than what I read. But there's a man named Cornelius, and he's, he's a Roman officer, but he's upright. And everybody in his house is upright. They're good people, so to speak, law-abiding citizens. And the texts say that Cornelius is a God-fearing man. Now, that, that, that phrase, God-fearing man, it's interesting because it, it means something specific about Cornelius. It means that he believes there's one God, and he, he agrees and respects the ethical and moral teachings of the Jewish people, but he isn't yet a full-fledged convert of the faith. He hasn't received Jesus as a savior. And how many know Jesus is the only one who saves? Amen? So he's God-fearing, but he's yet to be converted. Cornelius is what we would call a Gentile. Make it really simple. You have the Jews, where this is the, the line of people the Messiah would descend from. But when Jesus died on that cross, that cross right there is the doorway to everybody. Black, white, brown, yellow, red. He made a way for everybody. That's the purpose of the cross. It's no longer about Jew or Gentile. It's, it's no longer about slave or free. It's no longer about man or woman, right? Right? 
It's for everybody. He made a way for everybody. But, it, but in this time, the difference between, so either you were Jew or this term Gentile means you're of pagan religion or pagan belief. So maybe your, your culture was a little different or your beliefs were a little different or you looked a little different or you talked a little different. You're a Gentile. And Cornelius and his whole household are Gentiles. Everybody good? We get it? Okay. So, again, he's a God-fearing man. So why Cornelius is in prayer one day, he receives a vision and a message from the Lord that he's supposed to have some messengers from, from his area, from his town, go get this guy named Peter. Now, we all know Peter walked around with Jesus, right? So Cornelius sends off these messengers to go get Peter, and that's where we pick up in our text, okay? So I'm in Acts 10, verses 9. I'm going to read 9 through 20. Verse 9, the next day as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he, he fell into a trance, and, and he saw the sky open. And something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners, and in the sheet were all sorts of animals and reptiles and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter replied, I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. I'm, I'm not going to do that. Now, now, Jewish religion has this long list of do's and don'ts, this long list of rules. And, and Peter's like, whoa, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to touch the things that I'm not supposed to touch and associate with the things I'm not supposed to associate, God. What? So, while, so while these messengers are on the way to Peter, Peter's up on his roof praying, receiving a vision from God, having this intimate moment with God. And, and he's confused, to say the least. But check this out. The voice spoke back to Peter after he said, no, I'm not going to do that. The voice spoke back and said this, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven, and Peter was very perplexed. A.K.A. Peter's like, what the heck? What is going on? I'm so confused. What could the vision mean, Peter thought. Just then, the men sent by Cornelius, they found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked him if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. And meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, I've sent them. So not only is Peter like, what was that vision mean? The Holy Spirit, he's like, hey. And he's like, ah, you know, it's like, there's men downstairs. You need to go meet with them. They're going to, and go with them. It's okay. You need to go with them. He's like, okay, this is officially the weirdest day I've ever experienced. So Peter goes downstairs and he walks with his messengers. The, the messengers of Cornelius, they get Peter and they walk back to Caesarea together. And this is where we pick up. Everybody good? We following along? Acts 10, verse 24 through 33, it says, So they arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them and he had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, stand up. I'm a human being just like you. I'm a human being just like you. So they talked together and went inside where many others assembled. What's funny is Cornelius waiting for Peter to show up. All right, Cornelius invites his whole family over. 
And Peter walks into the house. The owner of the house is down at his feet. He picks him up. He looks around. He's like, your whole family's here? <laughs> the weirdest day ever, or the weirdest week ever just got even weirder. What, what is happening here? And, and I love this. As Peter walks in, you have to remember, this is a Gentile home. And Peter says this. This is what he says as he walks in the house. He said, you know, it's against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or, or to even associate with you guys. I'm not supposed to, you guys are different. You look different, talk different, act, think different, believe different. I'm not supposed to really associate with you. But then he says this, but God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. He says, so without objection, as soon as I was sent for, uh, you know, I came. He goes, now tell me, why'd you send for me? So Cornelius is like, well, I got a vision. Peter is, is from the Lord. He gets brought. Peter walks in. He's like, God told me to come here. Now you tell me, why am I here? What's going on? And as the text continues on, it says, Cornelius replied, all right, here's the deal. I'm just going to lay it out. He goes, four days ago, I was praying in my house about the same time, three o'clock in the afternoon. He goes, suddenly this guy in dazzling clothes, he was standing in front of me and he told me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard. Your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Now send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying in the home of Simon, a tanner who lives in the shore nearby. So I sent for you at once, and it was good of you to come. And now we're all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord's given you. So Peter walks in like, what do you want? And Cornelius is like, I don't know. You tell me. Like, we're trying to figure this out together, apparently. In Acts 10, verse 34 through 48, it says, it says I love this. It's almost like I can picture Peter here in this moment being like, after, after he hears Cornelius explain receiving this vision, he knows he's encountered Jesus. And I can just see Peter almost chuckling to himself like, oh, God, I, oh, I get it. I get it. My bad. All right. All right. I get why I'm here. It says that Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism every nation he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. Peter's thinking, man, this whole time I, th I, thought, I thought we were on different sides, but maybe we're on the same side. Maybe we're on the same side. And Peter goes, okay, I'll tell you why I'm here. I'll tell you what the message is. Peter's like, I, I know what the message is. He says, this is the message of good news for the people of Israel. This is the message. He says that there's peace through, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea. This is Peter. He's telling the story. He says, beginning in Galilee after John uh, began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then he goes, Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. He goes, and we were apostles. He goes, we were witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on the cross. But God raised him to life on the third day. 
He goes, then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us, to the apostles, the people who got to walk around with him. God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one who appointed God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. This this powerful moment, but I love this part. It says, even as Peter was saying this, telling Cornelius the good news, it says the Holy Spirit fell on all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. The, 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 the Jews are sitting there, Peter's buddies, looking at the Gentiles, speak out in tongues, praising God, thinking the same spirit that moved through me is moving through you right now. Maybe we're on the same team. Their eyes are being opened. Revelation is happening. That maybe we're all on the same side. I love this. It says, then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized? Now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, so we gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And afterwards, Cornelius asked them to stay with them for several days, which started as Peter creeping in the house saying, hey, I'm really not supposed to be here, turned into a week-long slumber party. Come on, because that's what God does with people. He brings them together. This is is good overcoming, right? Right? Now, I believe the Holy Spirit led me to this passage. I know it was a long passage. Y'all hang in there like champions. Praise God. And the reality is God's words are better than my words. Amen. But I believe there's, there's two things we can pull from this. One, we're reminded of the heart of our Father. That we're all on the same side. But two, we're also, or, 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 or I'm sorry, that, that we're reminded of the heart of our Father that we're all to be united and then two reminded that we were all created to be on the same side so this question as we we flip through social media as we're pressured by the world around us whose side are you on? whose side are you on? whose side are you on right? the pressure to pick and prove why you're on the side you're on and why you feel what you feel is right us versus them him versus him them versus them whose side are you on the bottom line is if you feel pressured to pick a side there's only two sides good and evil that's it (laughs) Ephesians 6 verses 10 through 12 a final word be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power Put on God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. It's not about me and you. It's not about him and her, right? But we're fighting against evil. We're fighting against evil. We're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. So how do we conquer evil then? If this is a battle between good and evil, Romans tells me, don't let evil conquer you, but we conquer it by what? Doing. So here's your homework. Begin to pray. Ask. Act. Seek. How can I do good things? How can I do, what conversations do I need to have? What acts of service can I perform? How can I overcome the evil in this world by doing good? That's what it's about. That's the war that we're in. That's the war we we need to win. That's the side we need to defend, amen?
with side of you. But here, here's the truth, and I'll wrap it up. The reality is this. We want to be on, on the good side, but you're not good, and I'm not good. Nobody's good, but there's somebody who is. And this one good guy named Jesus has the ability to make me good, has the ability to make you good, through the power of his Holy Spirit dwelling within. And that's not to say we're going to get it perfect, right? But here's the deal. The only way that we're transformed into who he really intended and created us to be, the way we get on team Jesus is we got to hand him our heart. we got to step into relationship with him. we got to confess with our mouths and believe in his heart that Jesus wasn't only a man who came to earth, who walked around and did some cool things and, and, and died and, and rose, but this man was the Messiah who saved the world. That when I put my faith and trust in the name of Jesus, that my eternity changes and then I'm filled with his Holy Spirit and my entire fabric of who I am is transformed. So eyes closed. Everyone's had that hand extended. Everyone has the invitation. Jesus is saying, here I am. Are you ready to hand him your heart? If you're in this room and you're ready to give Jesus everything you got, if that's you, would you put your hand up in the air and say, I'm ready. I want to give Jesus my heart. Right now, if that's you, would you put your hand up in the air? I love it. Let's stand. Thanks for raising your hands. Stand. Hey, let's say this prayer together really quick. Again, Romans says you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. So that's exactly what I want to do. I want to confess with our mouths as we have belief in our heart, Jesus is Lord. Okay? Repeat after me. Jesus, we confess with our mouths and we believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me new. I'm never going back. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.